This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Hello, America. From our studios in Sherman Oaks, California, it's the Glenn Beck Program. We've got a lot to talk about. I want to talk to you about the further developments now of uh, Brexit and what has happened over the weekend and what we're expecting to happen today and in the future. Also, George Will leaving the Republican Party. Kind of earth-shattering. We begin there right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Glad you're here. Pat, let's start with some audio from uh, George Will, where yesterday he said he is leaving the party. You might want to give me a minute to uh, locate that. (laughs) All right, all right. I mean, I located a a studio Uh, and everything. You couldn't locate that. I I mean... Not, uh, you know, it was it's been a little hectic um, because, I mean, California this week okay. and uh, and uh, <clears throat> we we had another studio lined up for us across town and uh, the I.T. people just didn't show up. They were just like, uh, I don't know. It's pretty early. That's Monday. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, so you're they didn't show that's, up. That's so we had to find another studio. Welcome. Welcome. OK, right. you have your George will. All right. You have left the Republican Party. Why? I left it for the same reason I joined it in 1964 when I voted for Barry Goldwater. I joined it because I was a conservative. I leave for the same reason that I'm a conservative. Give you a timeline. Shortly after Trump became the presumptive nominee, he had a summit meeting with Paul Ryan where they stressed their common principles and their vast shared ground, which is much more important than their differences. I thought that was puzzling, doubly so, because Paul Ryan still didn't endorse him. After Trump went after the Mexican judge from northern Indiana, then Paul Ryan endorsed him. And I decided that, in fact, this is not my party anymore. I changed my registration to unaffiliated 23 days ago. I hardly made an announcement. I just mentioned this in a meeting with the Federalist Society. So the long and the short of it is, as Ronald Reagan said when he changed his registration, uh, I did not leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left me. (laughs) Arlen Specter said that too. Just yes, to remind that is, yeah. <laughs> I know that's uh, that didn't go well for for anybody with our. I Specter, but... the Republican Party. <laughs> Republican Party lost me. So <laughs> took him a long, here. The, re- the, long the Republican the Republican Party should be freaking out right now. Here you have people like George Will. George Will's not a political hack. He is a a deep thinker when it comes to conservative policies and and uh, politics now a lot of people will see him as old guard but 
he's not the old. I don't think he's the old guard. He's he's more in line with Charles Krauthammer. And that's just somebody who is the intellectual powerhouse behind conservatism, conservative, cons- being conservative. <laughs> and you obviously, by that pronunciation, are not part of that. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I'm not. Exactly. You're exactly right. Uh, so but here is yet another person that will be blamed for Donald Trump's loss. Uh, and you've seen it already on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, he's going to cause, you know, Donald Trump to lose. No, who's going to cause Donald Trump to lose is Donald Trump. If Donald Trump loses to Hillary Clinton, it will be his fault. Nobody else's. Nobody else's. If if Hillary Clinton wins, it's it's her win. And let me tell you how she's going to do it. She's going to now move to the center. Uh, and she's going to pick somebody, possibly from Virginia, that is uh, is more to the center. She'll gonna, she's going to find somebody who is a Democrat, who is a member of the NRA. Darn it! I've 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 shot guns my whole life. I'm a member in good standing of the NRA. And you know what? If we can find one, I've also selected a person that is is. Uh, against abortion uh, is pro-life, and that's who I have on my ticket. She will move, and she will try to scoop up all of the Republicans that are so unable to vote for Donald Trump. Now, I am not able to vote for Hillary Clinton. There's nothing she could do that I would buy. But there are a lot of people who will look at her and say, okay, I— She's a Marxist. Now that she's moving to the left, she's showing herself and her, all of her Marxist tendencies. If she's smart, she will move to the right, and her selection of a VP will be somebody who is a member of the Second Amendment and pro-life. No way. And no way. You think? Watch. It, no yep. way. Because I, I agree with you. It might be a smart decision, but it does not seem like one she's capable of making. I... Tell me a be- tell me a better move. Well, there probably isn't one, but she's not going to do that. She's she's yeah. too anti-gun and she's too uh, pro-abortion. I, I don't think there's too any way into winning. She's too into winning, and the way to make this a uh, a, a Walter Mondale landslide uh, is to do that. And I'll bet you that every I'll bet you there I'll bet you there there are polls in the field right now. Uh, you know, if she if if she would put somebody on the ticket that was this, this and this, how would you feel? Now, that's not going to change my mind at all, but I believe that's what's going to happen. I'm hard sorry. To to I'm, say, in, I'm sorry to say Pat is not going to have to eat any of his underwear, or any of his <laughs> no, gym I'm, socks or anything. Else. I am not. That's for sure. It's. I mean, even if it was Elizabeth Warren, she picked and she, and she might. Uh, I still wouldn't have to eat my underwear because that wasn't the deal we made. So, but uh, I don't think there's any way she goes that direction. I mean, it, it, she'll get she could get every poll in the world telling her to do that. I don't, I don't think she's capable of it. I mean, she really is. You know, the guns issue is something I don't think she's going to bend on at all. I mean, she 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 would lose. Who said uh, she was going to? Hang on. Who said that she was going to bend on it? Well, I mean, I think by naming a VP who's pro Second Amendment, you could say no. that. No, no, no. That is somebody. That's just that's me saying. Look, 
the, t- the days of this division, the days of us arguing and at each other's throats, we're looking for common sense solutions. And and here's this Democrat over here who is is pro-life and pro-Second Amendment. And yet we can work together. That's what America is. That's what America wants. I'm going to bring everybody together. Now, that doesn't mean that I change my point of view. It means we have to have all points of view at the table. You watch. You watch. I mean, she's, not gonna, she's not going to bend on it. She's going to let him bend on it. And he will make that point. She will just say, I just want a very wide. It's time we start listening to each other. And there will be people out there who are who just will buy into that 100 percent. Thank goodness. I mean, Glenn, at least she's bringing somebody in. What does Donald Trump do? All he does is just bash people who disagree with him. You watch. It isn't I mean, because I have. A few months ago, there was some speculation over whether Hillary would go this direction, actually pick not even just what you're saying, a Second Amendment, you know, favorable Democrat or, you know, uh, but actually pick a Republican Uh, show that they're going to pick a, you know, a left leaning Republican and say, wow, here I am. Uh, I've picked somebody to cross the table to cross party lines. But to me, isn't this more a more consistent view with what Donald Trump would do? Like, it wouldn't Donald Trump be the guy who wants to make the big statement, the flashy thing? He's been a Democrat his whole life. He's favorable to those policies anyway. And he can come in and say, look, she's crazy left. I'm willing to cross the aisle and make deals. That's what I do. And bring in somebody who is a Democrat, an actual named Democrat. Uh, that Because to him, it's all a reality show. It's all about the flash and those big moves. I mean, that would have everyone talking. He wants to do it at the convention. He's not letting anyone know. He's letting everyone think it's going to be Newt Gingrich or Chris Christie. I mean, wouldn't it? Wouldn't this be more consistent with what Donald Trump would attempt to do? Uh, yeah, but that doesn't exclude her from doing it. Doing um, it too. And, and yeah, and I don't think, Do- I mean, I, I, I don't think Donald Trump has the ego to allow him to appoint somebody spectacular. He, he won't have he, he he won't want to have the uh, the talk about to be about anything but him. So I don't think he's he's willing to appoint somebody who is going to take the limelight and the spotlight off of him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, yes, but I, I think uh, he doesn't want to. Uh, well, maybe he does. He's not going to help himself if he reached across the aisle and did this. It will be absolutely positively a one state, if that, one state victory for Donald Trump. If he reached across the aisle and said, I'm, that's why I'm putting a real super liberal as my, uh, um, as my vice presidential candidate, nobody was going to vote for him. Nobody will vote for him because it will confirm, it will confirm everything that those who are currently voting, those who are reluctantly voting for him, they will say, I, okay, I, another barrier. I can't do it. He's got to go the other way. He has to put mm-hmm. somebody who has real – no, I, I don't predict him. I won't predict him. I'm just <laughs> – I'm telling you what I think Hillary Clinton will do because yeah. remember who she's married to. Yeah, no, that's true. That's, I mean, you definitely make a strong case there, and, I, and I, you could see it. I, I feel like she's too ideological on some of these things to, 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 to do that. And uh, but, who I mean, is maybe, she married I, to? Yeah, I know you're right. And if if he if he 
successfully can advise her on that. that. That is the type of thing that he would do. Because at the time, that was what Al Gore was seen as. Uh, you know, he wasn't seen as, you know, what he is, a hardcore, crazy person. Um, but with Trump, like if Trump, let's just say, picked a Joe Manchin as his running mate and Manchin went along with it, a guy from West Virginia who's seen as a conservative Democrat, uh, again, a Democrat in name only to the Bernie Sanders people. But again, his path to victory is winning working class Democrats. Now, there's no evidence yet that he's been able to do that, but that's his path. Winning states like Pennsylvania, winning states uh, like Ohio, winning some of these industrial states that he might not normally be able to do. Uh, and you pick somebody who, is, as a Democrat, as just a statement. I mean, it's just saying, hey, I picked a guy from the other side because I'm the guy that can make deals and make this country go forward. I mean, it's not a terrible case. And he's not, un- unlike somebody... You know, you've got a guy like Ted Cruz who wouldn't want to do that because he'd look at the Constitution and say, I don't want the second person in line to not have my values, blah, 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 blah. I want a real conservative. None of that stuff's holding Donald Trump back. Why not just do the flashiest thing that will get you the most votes? You might be right, Glenn, that so many people would bail on him. The calculus isn't there. But it's something I, I would not be surprised that if he considered it. And the same thing with her. You're right. I mean, I would not be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if he built a blimp, a, a, a Zeppelin, and then set it on fire, you know, <laughs> if it could spell his name out in lights. I, I mean, I don't put anything past that guy. So, yeah, would he? could he do that? Does that sound like him? Yes. It also <laughs> sounds like him to, you know, dig somebody up from the past and, and, and travel around with George Washington or Abraham Lincoln's bones and put his head in his or put his hand in his in his mouth and use his skull as a puppet. I mean, the guy could do anything. Somebody's so, animating that scenario right now. In that's the, right not now. that bad an idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a founder with you at all times. I love and, Donald uh, Trump. It's go- he's going to be huge. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let me, uh, let me see. Our sponsor this half hour is blinds.com. Uh, you can, you know, there are lots of ways for you to fix up your house. You can put some new paint on, new furniture, new carpet. Custom Blinds, the easiest, most affordable way to give your home a new facelift. At Blinds.com, they're going to walk you through the measuring and installation every step of the way. Stooges did this with, you got the shutters, didn't you? Yeah, the uh, wood shutters, they're awesome. I mean, they changed the entire house. I mean, it really feels like we've, <laughs> we have a new house just because of this one room. And because it, it, it looks beautiful, you can have the really bright light in there. You can turn it off and it's a, you know, you close those things. It's like a theater room in there. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and when they're done right, when they're done wrong, they destroy a room. Yes. And when they're done right, it, it is literally like walking into a new house. Uh, right now, a design consultation is free. That's like a $200 value. Free samples, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee. So there's no way you can get this wrong. Order brand new blinds uh, in, in minutes at blinds.com. We've done the blinds, we've done the drapes, Stu's done the uh, shutters, but whatever your needs are, during June, you can get 20% off site-wide. So go to blinds.com and use the promo code BECK. That's blinds.com, promo code BECK. Free samples, free shipping, free expert advice. And save 20% at blinds.com with the promo code BECK. We have one. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. 
okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Okay, I want you, I want you to just hear me out on this. this the, my theory is, is that Hillary Clinton is going to find somebody who is pro-life, you know, understands guns, is, is much more in line uh, than uh, Senator Warren. He's not gonna, she's not going to go to the left. She's going to go to the right. Uh, I want you to look up the name Senator Tim Kaine. You know him, Stu? Yeah, yeah. He's uh, Virginia, yeah, we, right? We, Senator. Um, uh-huh. uh, what do you know about him? I know he's the NRA and pro-life. Now, listen listen to this. He took a year off uh, of uh, school. He went to Harvard, and he took a year off of school to uh, do missionary work in Honduras. So <laughs> he speaks fluent Spanish. Nice. And he's also religious. Um, in, uh, 94, he was elected to the city council of Richmond. Um, and then he won the state's, uh, lieutenant governorship. Four years later, he was governor. Um, he almost in two, 2005, uh, Kane pulled ahead of the Republican state attorney general, Jerry Kilgore, after Kilgore attacked Kane's personal opposition to the death penalty. Uh, but that backfired. Uh, Kane said, I will enforce capital punishment. And he oversaw the executions of 11 prisoners, six of whom were black during his time of office, even though he is against the um, uh, the death penalty, which will allow him to be pro-life. He says, I am religiously opposed to the death penalty and to abortion. But what did he do when he became um, the uh, the governor? He didn't stop the death penalty. He let it go through. That will be important. He was Obama's uh, top third, uh, top three choices of VP. Um, he's headed the the uh, DNC. He has also vocally criticized, although he votes with the president, he vocally has criticized the administration on their approach to Syria. He wants an aggressive policy of humanitarian uh, humanitarian no uh, uh, no fly zones. He's the first senator to um, do an entire speech in uh, Spanish from the floor. Uh, He votes for the uh, party 90% of the time. Uh, The polls are out now that show if she picks Kane or Warren, it doesn't make a difference to her numbers. So it's not like, it's not like the progressives are going to leave her. It's not like anybody's going to leave her. Um, Let me see if there's anything else here. Uh, he cut the budget by more than five billion dollars, eliminating the Virginia state, um, the Virginia estate tax. I mean, there is stuff that just he uh, he is. So listen to this. He has approved funding for crisis pregnancy centers to try to steer away uh, women away from abortion, creating a choose life license plate. This is the guy she's going to do. He has all of that about life, and yet he has a perfect score from Planned Parenthood and NARAL. 
Politico thinks so, too. I mean, he's at the top of their list. <clears throat> but when you see <clears throat> the list of choices she has, uh, at least the political cho- Politico choices, Elizabeth Warren uh, is too far left, probably. I mean, you, you don't want to pick somebody even further left than she is. And Julian Castro, mm, Castro. doesn't help her at all. Yeah, well, I mean, he, you know, uh, maybe with Hispanics. I, I mean, I again, don't I don't think I think Donald Trump is her VP when it comes to Hispanics. <laughs> I don't think she has to do anything for Hispanics. She didn't have to do anything. Um, she didn't have to do anything. She has to appeal. The, the winning move is to appeal to the disenfranchised Republicans. Now, that's a huge order, but you're not going to get most of them. I'm talking about the people. The 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 blue dog Democrat that has kind of said, you know what, I can't take these Marxists. Um, that's who she has to scoop up. She has to sp- scoop up the working class person. And and by making this move, she can say, look, I'm trying to come together. People are hungry to belong to something. They're hungry to uh, have their point of view listened to. If she approaches this with. Look, I'm listening to the other side. I appointed a guy who disagrees with me on things because I think it's important to listen to people. I'm telling you, it's a huge win for her. Well, I won't vote for her, but a huge, huge uh, win for her. Back in just a second. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Welcome to it. I'm in uh, I'm in Los Angeles uh, today uh, because I was at uh, Politicon uh, over the weekend. I'll be here all week. Try the feel. Um, but Politicon was a really interesting experience. Um, met some nice people that are actually, I, I think, honestly beginning to soul search and say, "Wait a minute, uh, what are we doing?" People from the left. I met absolute. And complete and total jerks from the left. In fact, some of the rudest people I have ever met in polite society. I mean, I you know, I get it when you're you're in a crowd full of liberals or Trump supporters or or even you know whoever. Um, you know, when people don't like what you have to say, they're rude, and especially when they're in a crowd. Uh, but that wasn't that wasn't what we experienced. We experienced one of two kinds of people um, backstage with. Uh, you know, with liberals. And, for instance, one of them, did I say the guy's name? No. Uh, one of them was just such an amazing jerk. I, 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 I've, ne- I've never encountered anyone like this before. My wife was about to hit him in the face. Um, really just colossal jerk. On the other hand, I met somebody who also will remain nameless, who is a big gay activist, um, a, a self-proclaimed 
um, a community organizer, and um, and this individual came up to me and said, uh, I have to stop doing television. And I said, okay, why is that? They said, because it is constantly encouraging me to um, to lash out and to say the next outrageous thing and to bash a guest. And uh, they said, I, I, um, I don't want to do that anymore. And I've done it for the last five years, and I just can't do it anymore. It's not the right thing. And they were talking to me about, you know, why did, why did I get out? And, you know, the, when I came out and said, you know, I'm sorry for what, you know, for what, uh, what role I played. And this, this person, I think, kind of almost w- was, was seeing if they believed me as they looked me in the eye. Uh, because they said, so why did you... Uh, what happened to you? Did, did society drag you into into being divisive? Did did you uh, uh, were you being pushed to be that way? And I said no, I, I chose to be that way, and I honestly just didn't think that it was as divisive as it turned out to be. But it's the system that made everything divisive. I played my part, but also. You know, it was taken out of context, and and it, you know, it it's the system. But I played a big role in it, and I accept responsibility for the role I played. And this individual looked at me and said, I believe you. And I said, well, good. I'm telling the truth on that and how I feel. And she said, (laughs) no, I I actually, I really believe you, and I want to talk to you about that because I don't want to play a role in that anymore. And it's, it's how I feel. And... I thought that was really positive movement. I, I think there are people on both sides. I asked this person, I said, you know, I, I went to GLAD, and they didn't know about this. And I said, I went to GLAD and met with them, and, and they said, Who, who'd you meet with? I told them, and they kind of knowingly said figures, uh, and I was fascinated by that. Because this is a person who is on the front lines of, you know, being out in the open and, and being outspoken. And I was bowled over by that. And uh, they said, that's exactly what should have happened. Uh, and I said, look, we're never going to agree on, you know, I have to, I have to make a wedding cake. Uh, I'll never agree on that. I have a right to my own conscience. But you have a right to your own life. And... That's just the way it is, and I'll stand against people who are trying to kill you every day of the week. I, I think some things are changing in America, and it's, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And as the left becomes more divisive and the right becomes more divisive, they will find themselves in the dustbin of history. At least that's my, at least that's my hope. And here's somebody who who I just can't figure out because he has the opportunity and he has the, the, I can't say this. He is trying, I think, to take on his own tribe one piece at a time. But what's missing is what he won't get rid of. What's missing is quiet thought, gentle thought. What he is instead uh, doing is he is, 
he is having the ch- crowds cheer like it is, uh, you know, a Roman gladiator. And he is in the uh, Coliseum. Bill Maher. If Bill Maher could actually have a quiet conversation without the cheering crowd, I think he could make a difference. Uh, if he would have open conversations where, you know, Paul Begala is not name-calling. I want you to listen to what Bill Maher said about Brexit. You know, they're saying that this is xenophobia now. And I, I, I personally don't think, and this will only make it worse, I personally think that the um, uh, that Parliament is going to make it impossible for them to leave. I don't think they're going to actually follow the will of the people, which will only send the people into a bigger hysteria and prove them right that the government has gotten so big and powerful and they're disenfranchising people. But right now they're saying, well, the, you know what this is? This, this, this is nothing but uh, xenophobia. Listen to how Bill Maher responds to that. I mean, I hear a lot of talk today about xenophobia. And is it really phobia if you have something to be afraid of? 52% of British Muslims think being gay should be illegal. Yeah. The kind of thing that would make you a little What percentage of American Republicans believe that? Can we deport them? Uh, Not just American Republicans. How many? Shoot. Not many. They think it should be illegal? Sure. No, No, I don't. Come on. Paul, that's a Paul, you know what? Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Just stop, stop it. it. Yeah. It wasn't legal until a few years ago. Uh, there certainly is a, a hard right wing in this yeah. country, but they have no power. It's a lot different. What, what, do you really think if, if uh, America had Muslimized ghettos, Muslimized, that's not the right word, no. uh, radicalized ghettos of Muslims like London and Brussels right. and, and Paris, yeah, yeah. Uh, where a woman who would walk down the street in a short skirt would be hassled because it was anti-Islamic. Do you, what, what would Americans do if that happened in this country? We, have, we would not put up with it. We're a pluralistic society. Exactly. We have- uh, Paul Begala, is he really this stupid or does he just not know what time it is? He just He just keeps ignoring the signs. And Remember, the subject is not America. The subject is Brexit. And are they are they Islamophobe? Are they experiencing Islamophobia by saying they want out? No, they're saying enough with this multiculturalism. We're fine. That you notice that they weren't they didn't have a problem when Muslims were coming in and they weren't killing people or beheading them in the streets. We have a problem with you telling us there's no problem with uh, with the Muslims you're bringing in from all over the world and allowing in, you'll notice we didn't have a problem with it until there was a problem. And yet people like Paul Begala on both sides of the ocean are just dismissing it. And again, Bill Maher's point is, you know, the, the good Muslims are afraid to stand up. Here's the problem with America. And until we fix this, we won't be able to go anywhere. What founded, what time period was the founding of America happening in? That that happened in the Age of Enlightenment. And we call it the Age of Enlightenment because that's when the Dark Ages stopped and people started thinking 
and people started saying, oh, I see what God is. God is not somebody who's going to do uh, uh, the Inquisition. That's not, that's not God. That's not worshiping God. God is the God of the individual and not of, not of power and, and greed and corruption. And then man started to use his intellect to try to figure things out and started to use science. So the Age of Enlightenment, which caused the American Revolution, was also the Age of Reason. It's why Thomas Paine's common sense played such a huge role. Because it's common sense. Everybody had it. You're born with this. Look, you know this is right. You know this is wrong. So the Age of Enlightenment was also called the Age of Reason. We are not in the Age of Reason. We will go back to darkness because we are not using reason. You, you were arguing over cold, hard facts. Paul Begala, 52% of Muslims in England believe that gays should be stoned to death. Gays should not, not be a part of our society. It's an affront to God. What does Paul do? Well, a lot of Republicans believe that, too. No, they don't. I don't know a single Republican that thinks that gays should be stoned or deported. I don't know a single one. When Bill Maher says we have some extreme right, yeah, we have skinheads here. Every country has skinheads, but he's right. They have zero power. They're freaks of nature. But yet, we can't talk about those things. We can't say, guys, come on. You know and I know, we all know. The clan numbers, you're using that as a scare tactic. Yes, there are racists. Yes, there are skinheads. But that's not the Republican Party. That's not the conservative movement. That's a fringe. Yes, as Bill Maher says, we have a, you know, we do have people on the fringe of the right. Yeah, well, we also have them on the left. But why we're not, why, why the people in the middle are being kept from reason is beyond me other than power and control. And they, and they are using fear to get you to shut down reason. That's, that's the secret. You're, the reason why you practice things, you know, you practice fire drills, you practice uh, anything that is, you know, if you're on a boat, they have a, life, they have a lifeboat and uh, life raft drill. You have, to, you have to practice. Why? Because once there really is an emergency, reason goes out the window. You don't think that way anymore. And so by making people afraid, they automatically shut down reason. It's why you couldn't talk to Obama supporters and why you can't talk to many Trump supporters. You, you've heard this a million times. You can't talk to them. They just won't even listen. They won't reason. Yes. Because there is fear, whether that's a fear of Hillary Clinton losing the country, whatever it is. Until we, until we become people of reason and can sit down and talk to the other side and, be, and get, get in control of our fear, 
get in control of our lives and our emotions, we will not make it. I challenge you to talk to people you disagree with and continue to disagree with them if you must. But talk to them because we have to stop fearing one another. We have to start seeing some of the things that we have in common as actual human beings. And not, do you know that in 19, what was it? In the 1980s, I think it was. Maybe, no, I think it was 1990s. In the 1990s, 1996, 20 years ago, only 20% of the American population saw the other side as the enemy. Now, with Democrats, that's over 60% that see the other side as the enemy. 82% of Democrats are afraid of the GOP. They are afraid of Republicans. It shuts down reason. Have you ever heard of a credit card skimmer? Thieves install them on ATMs and checkout terminals in stores, and then they use them to steal your credit card information, including your PIN number. Now, I read that to you, and what is that? Be afraid. Be afraid of somebody trying to steal your, your identity. Here's where reason kicks in. What are you going to do about it? Nobody can monitor. You can't spend all your day monitoring that. And there's no reason to be afraid. Because if you think that through, all you have to do is hire somebody like LifeLock. Now, LifeLock goes way beyond the you know, free credit monitoring. They, they scan hundreds of millions of transactions every second. If they detect your information is being used, they send you an alert. And if you have a problem, a U.S.-based agent will work to fix it. There's no fear here. There's a solution here. Identity theft is real. Get over it. What are you going to do? Visit lifelock.com and use the promo code BEC15 and you get a special 15% discount off of your first year. Lifelock.com, promo code BEC15. Offer ends July 3rd, 1-800-440-4936. 1-800-440-4936. Lifelock.com, 1-800-440-4936. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. The the absolute best courtroom transcript of all time. Uh, I don't think this guy is going to have an easy time uh, getting, out of, uh, getting out of the murder case that he's being uh, tried for. Uh, we'll give you the transcript, the best of all time, coming up. This is... The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
Hello, America, from our studios in Sherman Oaks, uh, California. Welcome. I've got a few thoughts about California and uh, my time this weekend at Politicon and, and, and the feeling. I grew up in the West Coast. I grew up in the Seattle area. There's nothing I have ever wanted more than to live in California. I have always wanted to live in California. It was my childhood dream to live in San Diego, California, work at uh, a station in, in San Diego. And, and now, now there's nothing that could get me to move here. Why? I thought about this last night. What has changed in California? And it really has nothing to do with politics. That, more on Brexit and Hillary Clinton. We begin right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. I'm so glad that you are uh, here. From California this week, I was in Brentwood last night um, uh, having some uh, having dinner with my wife and walking into this little teeny Italian restaurant. I had no idea that it was like the place to go. Just found we had just asked for a good Italian restaurant. We went into this uh, restaurant, and Al Michaels walks in. Larry David walks in. Who, who's the guy from that is always parodied on uh, on Entourage? Is it Ari Gold? Is that or is that the character name? Uh, that's the character name. But he was he was there last night, and uh, I all I kept thinking was one of these things just doesn't belong. And it was fun to watch their reaction as they kind of turned over and went, "Oh dear God!" And just enjoy your meal, guys. Enjoy your meal. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, I, I've never been to Brentwood before, and and I thought of you guys because of the O.J. Simpson stuff that you guys are watching mm-hmm. on uh, on yeah. television. Mm-hmm. I, I I should go over to his house. I mean, not you know go over to it, but I'd like to. Do you guys know even know where it is? Because yeah, we're staying uh, around Rockingham, Rockingham. Brentwood Hundred Rockingham or something. But like it's that. not but there. It's, they tore it down. They bulldozed it. Yeah. yeah, it's gone. They bulldozed it. Why was it yeah. a crappy house, or was it because no. nobody oh, wanted to live house. there? I, apparently, it was not a desired location uh, for people to live. Huh. Oh, too many people cutting people's heads off. <laughs> Probably in the neighborhood. It actually that didn't happen happened there, there. but uh, I, so I, I guess just the stigma of this used to be OJ's house, and it? not to mention a lot of people like you driving by all the time. It's a very nice neighborhood, and I'm sure that's not the uh, the desired uh, outcome oh. for someone oh, with privacy. Yeah, I mean. Uh, <laughs> I mean, everyone's well, going I mean, by to, to a tourist location. It's not anymore, though, because of that. I found the greatest. Mm-hmm. This is the greatest transcript of all time. Uh, a guy comes into court and he is accused of uh, of murder. And um, at the hearing, this is in Floyd County. Um, he's the Superior Court Judge, uh, Bryant Durham. And uh, he is he is asked. Uh, by the um, uh, by, the defendant's attorney can 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 we get another public defender because I I, I can't I can't handle this guy, and um, the judge tried to explain why he was denying the uh, request, and the guy who was accused for murder, um, he says um, 
I'm going to hold myself in contempt because the judge is like, I'm going to hold you in contempt. you got to shut your mouth here for a minute. Let me explain. And he said, I'm going to hold myself in contempt. And then he said, F you. Go F yourself to the judge. That's when the judge was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, Stop right now. Uh, He said, I'm going to find you in contempt of court. I don't care. I I know that you don't. Uh, and I sentence you to 20 days just for that outburst. And you say anything else, and I'm going to add 20 days for everything you say. F you. Okay, 40 days. F you again. 60 days. Go F yourself. A year. Uh, hang on. Please tell me. That. There it is. Uh, a year. Um, <laughs> then he looks at the judge and says, yo mama, 10 years. <laughs> S- suck me that's what the court says you know something this is going to be a very interesting trial uh, the defendant never let up neither did the judge uh y- yo mama got uh, sends him to 10 years he then said um i want to talk about my genitalia i'm being very very nice here and he said, and I only white like white white little boys. Um, and then the judge said, "Oh, of course you do. You really look like a queer." At this point, this thing is spiraling out of control. He then um, uh, looks at the judge and again says, uh, "F you." And and the judge says, "You know, you're really cute, and all of the inmates are going to love you to death." Um, uh, he said, you have a constitutional right to be a dumbass. That's when Alan said, how about this? I'm going to kill your whole family. When I get in this trial, I'm going to murder your whole family. I'll cut your children up into pieces. I'll knock their brains out with a hammer and I'll feed them to you. The judge's response. I have really enjoyed this and I hope you have. And I know everybody else in the courtroom has enjoyed this, but you can go now. It was 11 minutes. The guy got 10 years, and they haven't even tried him for anything else. He's going to be in jail for a very long time. This is the uh, breakfast club detention approach to uh, Mm -hmm. to law. It never works not going to, no. And I I wonder why the public defender wanted out of this case. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Please, by the way, uh, please. Glenn, as we are speaking, uh, you think that's a bad court decision. Uh, the Supreme Court has struck down both uh, Texas abortion laws, uh, saying that you do not need mm. to have uh, the admittance uh, part of it and also the surgical center qualifications for abortion clinics. So the restrictions that were recently placed in Texas on abortion have been struck down by the Supreme Court as unconstitutional, an undue burden on someone who wants to kill their child. So that's obviously... We should get the attorney general on and see what he's going to do about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they'll try something. Well, there's else. not much they can do about it. It's a Supreme Court decision. So what are you going to I do? don't think Texas is of that state of mind necessarily. Well, I think they'll try something else, right? It's the same thing that, you know, gun, uh, you know, gun control areas do after, the, you know, gun control, uh, you know, a Second Amendment case goes through in the favor of the Second Amendment. They'll just try to pass something that's a little bit less restrictive. My guess is that Texas will still... They're not going to just let this one go. Be like, all right, abort wherever you want. So I'm probably not going to be their approach. <laughs> You're in the backseat of the car. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> Whatever. You know, we're no we big are. deal. We need mobile abortion clinics. Don't we? You just, yeah. You know, like a food truck. It's an abortion truck, and it just pulls up in front of your house. You run out. You get your child aborted, and then it moves on. 
You give it, you give the guy, the driver five bucks to perform it. And oh, it's going to cost more than that, but that's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea, right? <laughs> Let's just do it. Uh, by the way, uh, it had nothing to do with Scalia. It was 5-3. Um, so uh, even if Scalia was there, it would have been 5-4. Uh, it was uh, Kennedy went with the left side of the court on this particular uh, ruling. As usual. Well, yeah. At, really least we, at least we know that uh, Donald Trump <laughs> is going to appoint somebody who is very, very pro-life. Oh, absolutely. Uh, mm. mm-hmm. I mean, think about yeah. this. There are two, two dependable justices right now for conservatives. Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito, for the most part. I mean, Roberts was right on this decision, but, I mean, he's obviously has not been reliable. Kennedy's not reliable at all, and the other ones are all communists. So, I mean, you're, <laughs> there is nothing right now. There is nothing. Um, and, you know, this is, of course, the argument that people do bring up in favor of Trump to say that at least maybe he'll put a good Supreme Court justice in. I've heard some people say, however... Maybe we should just entertain approving Obama's latest one because he's going to be better than whoever Hillary puts in and probably better than anyone Trump is. I personally think that it is a mistake for them not to give him an up or down vote. Yeah. I think it's a mistake. And and I also think that um, they did this for a reason. They they put some gutty in who is somewhat somewhat, – acceptable somewhat acceptable uh and they they did it because they wanted to say see they're absolutely unreasonable and if hillary gets in and there's a democratic uh congress or senate done you think that you think they're going to get more reasonable than this guy I, i would pull the trigger because i think the constitution says give him an up or down vote that doesn't mean you accept him it does mean give him an up or down vote um and just take that issue away from them uh but I mean, I, I, I don't think I they even want it. Uh, honestly, I think I, I wouldn't. I don't be think they want it either. If the if the Republicans can't said all of a sudden we want um, uh, Merrick Garland to be the next Supreme Court justice, they would actually. Ah, you know what? He, he he's not that into it. He pulled a muscle, uh, <laughs> and he is just I not agree. into it anymore because they they don't they know they can do better with Hillary Clinton, um, and I think they don't have any worry really about who trump would put in there now it's possible i mean the list of people that trump put out there was was pretty good and it was advised by a lot of really good conservatives and there's some really good names on that list i mean he is not limited to that list obviously but i i I, you know i don't think people really believe he's going to pull the trigger on one of those uh so i think they're willing to roll the dice and get somebody whoever whoever hillary's going to put in with a potential of Really no way to block it, because if the if the down ticket stuff goes as many people are predicting it goes with Donald Trump at the top of the ticket, they might be able to get anybody they want. They might be able to be like Ruth Bader Ginsburg is way too conservative for this person. Um, and, and then they can go any direction they want. So it's kind of it's interesting. There's there's imagine an argument Elizabeth, to be made. Imagine Elizabeth Warren. Imagine Elizabeth Warren as your Supreme Court justice. And by the way, you don't have to have somebody with law experience. You can get George Clooney in there. I mean, literally, you can pick from anyone to be your Supreme Court justice. Can you not, Pat? Constitutionally? Yeah. They yeah. still have to be, I mean, make it through. But if they have 63 Senate seats, they can pick anybody they want, right? Yep. I mean, I, I, yep. I mean I, it's, it's, a, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Did anybody change anything? Did you guys do anything because of Brexit? Did you guys Do you have any friends who were panicking? Or is everybody just kind of... What did anybody say this weekend? What did you hear? Because you know what my friends were all saying. What were your friends saying? 
I mean, I don't have friends that talk about Brexit um, because if they do, then they're not my friends. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, the stuff I was reading about it, one, I was I was fascinated by the idea that all of the bankers out there are like, oh, I can't believe this is going to cause global catastrophe, blah, blah, blah. Really, from the people with the collateralized debt obligations, the the people who caused the 2008 thing, you're going to come to us now and tell us that, oh, gosh, well, the people can't speak on their own sovereignty because it might make the markets go down a few hundred points. I mean, it's hard to take that sort of advice. I mean, honestly, there might be some short term um, stuff here. But I mean, do you think Brett? Great Britain, Glenn, being on its own and being and having its own sovereignty and its own control of its own destiny is actually bad for the economy? Or is it just people coming out there and saying, uh, panic, 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 it's not what we want? The, the markets don't like change. And so right. change is, makes everything unpredictable. The, it's not Great Britain that is the problem. It is now does the U.K. break up. And there are eight to nine states that I heard over the weekend, eight or nine that are now saying we're next. Yeah. So, and so it is what the, if it, it's it, the it's the it, snowball down down the hill only because of uncertainty. And it means mm-hmm. that the euro is goes away. done. So yeah. what happens? People right now. I mean, this will be good for the U.S. dollar. Uh, and I hate to say that, but it will be good for the U.S. dollar. If I were living in Europe right now. I would be trading my euros. I would take my bank account and I would get out of euros right now as much as I could and put them in U.S. dollars. And then as I need them, I'll pull them out and exchange them for euros. That's what I would be doing right now, because at some point they're going to put a cap on the euros and they're going to say you can't exchange them anymore because it will collapse. And the euros, they will cap and say you're trapped in the euro until your state decides to print a new currency, and you'll be trading them for pennies on the dollar. I think that's what's coming. Mm. Um, let me let me stop here um, and talk to you a little bit about Goldline. The vote for the euro has thrown the global markets into turmoil. Can you tell me? I don't have a uh, monitor here in California. What is, the, uh, what is the Dow doing this morning? It was down 120 points last night at, I think yeah. it was 9.30 this, uh, last night here at Pacific time, so 12.30 your time. Uh, down two sixty eight at the moment. Yeah, um, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be bad. And the, uh, the farther we get away from this, uh, the more um, right now on Friday, what happened where the big people stepped up and tried to stop it from hemorrhaging, and um, and so they they were throwing money into the markets just to make sure that it doesn't completely collapse on us. The farther we get away, the more you're going to see the real impact of this. And I personally don't think you're going to see um, a massive impact from this today. Uh, I think you're going to see this over time. Um, you have a chance of seeing real uprisings on the streets of, of, um, of England, because if those, those voices in England actually are taken seriously uh, by the people on the streets about we're not going to do it, we're just not going to obey it. We'll just, we'll just, you were wrong. The people were wrong. If they disenfranchise the people, it will not only set the streets of England on fire, it will also set Europe on fire because then people will say, wait a minute, wait a minute, they're not letting anybody out. You could see a civil war happening in Europe 
everything is dicey. And Greenspan said that this vote is going to usher in an economic period worse than the darkest days following the market crash of 1987. I believe this could be one of the shoes to drop that will, I'll go a step further, but I always do because I'm a catastrophist. Um, I believe this will be, this will lead and usher in the days of the greater depression. Other people have warned that the UK's departure will lead to global crisis, the magnitude of the great recession. Again, greater depression is on the way. What are you going to do about gold? Right now, gold is up, I think, 11%, uh, highest it's been in a couple of years. But if you buy gold today, you have to buy certain amounts, and I don't know all the restrictions, but they give you a price guarantee of a week, a month, six months, or a year, uh, depending on the amount that you, uh, you buy. But nobody does that. Imagine buying a stock and say, in a year from now, if the stock is up, you can buy it at the old price. If the stock is down, we'll just give you more stock. That's what Goldline is doing with gold. Nobody does that. Goldline and their price guarantee. Goldline, 1-866-GOLDLINE. 1-866-GOLDLINE, 866-465-3546 or goldline.com. Get back! Can't stick around for the rest of this amazing broadcast? Well, that's disappointing. We're stuck here, but you can download the show for free on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and now Google Play Music. Mercury. Program. We're going to explain the uh, the economy and the financial mess uh, that we are uh, that we are in and approaching with Harry Dent. He's a financial expert, somebody I've had on TV a couple of times, and you really need to listen to him because he explains this unlike anybody else that I have um, that I've ever talked to. He can tell you. I mean, he's tied it into the Kondrakiev wave uh, and what we have talked about several times in this program called the fourth turning. And he has done his research, uh, and 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 he can explain what's coming, and tell you what to do, uh, in ways that you have not heard before. He's coming up in in just a few minutes. Any, unless anybody, un, uh, unless an economic discussion is tied into the Kondrakiev wave, I don't even want to hear it. Yeah. you know what I mean. I, yeah. that's, that's did, just has how anybody, I roll. Did it's anybody roll. see Christian Anampour this weekend? Oh, good golly! Oh yeah! Oh Sadly. my god! Sadly! Oh, good golly! Yeah, listen I to cannot the, take her. It's it's difficult, and I, I, nobody challenges her on this stuff. No. That's what's so she's, agonizing. You know what is, what's crazy is she's considered a journalist. Right. Yeah, listen, yet, to, tell me if this is journalism, or, yeah. or is this just commentary? A lot of these leave movements are led by the hard right, very, very xenophobic, anti-immigrant, um, very populist, nationalist, white identity politics. They thought oh Nigel gosh. Farage was too toxic. And Good in fact, golly. they have been livid at his posters and the xenophobia and the anti-immigration and the sort of poisonous divisions. If you look at the latest cover of The Economist, and of course another one will be coming out tomorrow, but The Economist, which is one of the preeminent economic and political magazines right, in the world, right, has right, written... Right. Divided we fall. This is- 
divided we fall. This thing has been together since 1993. <laughs> we get over the stinking EU. It's a brand new phenomenon. <laughs> the one who Crazy. shouldn't divide is Great Britain. The one who shouldn't divide is Christiane Anampour. Yes. Stop dividing. And yes. stop stop expressing your opinion as if it is fact. That's the difference between me right. and a journalist. She's no different than me. Well, except that she's wrong every time, <laughs> which is weird. I'm just wrong a lot of times. She's wrong every time. That's hard to do. She's consistent, though. She is consistent. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. I want to talk to you a little bit about my trip here in California. Um, I am uh, I, I'm here for Politicon, and uh, Politicon was happen happened over the weekend in um, I don't even know Pasadena, and a couple of years ago it was uh, just for the left, and this time they made it for the left and the right, and they don't. Honestly, people in California, they don't even know who conservatives are. And so they invited a few people that were, you know, like Ann Coulter versus uh, Van Jones. Well, there are there are two meat throwers. And so, you know, it, it was nothing but the left being able to cheer against Ann Coulter. And nobody was nobody's listening to each other. And um, and so they asked me to do uh, a keynote which was really bizarre because then I get there and a keynote means you don't schedule other things around it. And they scheduled all these other huge things around it. And so I didn't get a chance to really talk to anybody but our crowd. And that was wildly disappointing. Um, had a great, we posted it up on Facebook. It's probably at glenbeck.com. Uh, but I had a great question and answer section uh, for about 40 minutes and it was a chance to – there were some liberals in that one, uh, and that was, that was really good. Um, and we had a chance to, to really talk. There were some people who were for Donald Trump, people who were not for Donald Trump, and liberals that were there. Some who was the guy that did that interview, the, the uh, hour-long interview with you there at, that you posted uh, on Facebook? Who was he, actually, he actually said, thanks for not saying my name because oh, okay. uh, I'll, I'll get killed for it. He's actually a, a friend of mine and is probably the biggest talent agent in all of Hollywood. Uh, if you if you look him up, who are who are some of his uh, people? Uh, do you guys remember off the top of his head? It's like every Angelina Jolie and, you know, Kanye West. It's like everybody in Hollywood. Um, he's their talent agency. Uh, and I mean, he uh, seemed like he tried to be fair anyway, is my point. I mean, he, I he will, wasn't he wasn't that bad. I will tell you this. He came to me and he said, uh, last night I had our, our agency. He said, we put people on and I asked them, dig for everything that is the most controversial, the things that everyone is afraid to ask Glenn Beck. 
and uh, and give me the research of what questions. And he said, look, there's 99 percent of the people who work for me are liberal. And he said, so they dug and they dug with joy. And uh, he said, do you want to see any of the questions? I said, no, I don't need to see them. And he said, is there anything off limits? And I said, nope, hit me with your best. And the, the difference was he was fair when he asked them. He, didn't, he told me afterwards, he said, I, you know, I skipped a few things because I didn't think they were fair. He said, but uh, uh, I, I was interested to know. And he said, when I got home, he said, my wife said, so how was that? And he said, honey, I have to tell you. I'm listening to his answer about the Second Amendment because I said, you know, look, we live in Los Angeles. There are gang wars and everything else. And, you know, look, if you're in the country, maybe you can have certain guns, but not in the cities. And why does anybody need an assault weapon? And I said and he and he said he prefaced it with I'm going to ask you a tough question. And I said, good. Can I ask you a tough question back before I start? And he said, uh, no, no. And I said, oh, OK, well, because what I wanted to ask you was, what's the definition of an assault weapon? And um, he said when he got home, he said, I'm listening to him. And I think my opinion on assault weapons and who should have a gun has changed. It should have. Yeah. Uh, wow. And uh, he said, he said, it's just you're talking reason and nobody is talking reason anymore. And I said, I know. That's the problem. Uh, and I, I hope Politicon grows uh, from this, and I hope that Politicon uh, you know, has some more conservatives who want to have an actual dialogue and not a bash fest. Uh, as I told you last hour, I, I was with some people, and, and a person who I would have never thought uh, of, of reaching out to. In fact, I, I saw this person walking into the room, and I thought, oh, boy. Um, and she walked right up to me. And and had a fascinating conversation with me about how the media is encouraging the division in the country. And she's like, I don't want to be a part of it anymore. And it was really fascinating, really, really fascinating. Um, and then I left. I left there. And my my wife and I. We went to a, a show in. Um, in Los Angeles or in, in, it was actually in Hollywood. It was a, uh, stage show. It's the new Carol, uh, Carol King, uh, Broadway show that's now in California called beautiful. It's really good. And I read this review in the New York times and they said, it's stupid. It's corny. It's this, it's that it was great. And we almost turned the car around after reading the review from the New York times. And the only reason why I didn't is because it was the New York times. And I said, man, I, we're going to walk out. Honey, if this is bad for the first 15 minutes, please, we have such little time. Let's just leave. And she said, oh, I'm, I'm with you. And I said, the only reason why I don't turn around the car is because it's the New York Times. The New York Times, again, so snobby that they can't, they can't accept just good entertainment. They just, it, it's got to be groundbreaking. It has to be important. It, 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 it has to say something about today's culture. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It was just really good. We leave there and we just go for a walk. And I, I've always wanted to live in California. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. I wanted to see what, what others describe as the sun that I only knew as some flaming 
yellow orb in the sky that I had never seen. And so I wanted to live in Southern California. And I was thinking about this last night. Pat, you grew up in the same age that I did, and I'm, I'll mm-hmm. bet you you wanted to live in California. Did you ever want to live in California growing up? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Describe the girls in your era from California, in my era, too. Uh, blonde. Beautiful. <laughs> right. Tan. Right. And makeup? Lots of makeup? No makeup. Uh, no makeup? Yeah. Very no little. Makeup. Yeah. And what, and what were they called? California, California girls. girls. Yeah, they yeah. were just called California girls. And mm. they were so unique because they were fresh. They were simple. They were beautiful. They were natural. They, 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 there's nothing fake about them. That's what a California girl was. Everywhere, everywhere else, the girls were fake and they had big hair and they had big makeup and, and they had to act a certain way. These were the girls that would put on a pair of Levi's and, you know, an old sweatshirt and they would we'd go out to the beach or they'd go out someplace and then they could dress up and they would be beautiful, but it wouldn't be ostentatious. Where did those girls go? You walk down the streets now and I tell you, I feel bad for the people walking down the streets here. You know, just in the area that I saw, and California's not all like this, but this is the way I felt. I just kept walking by people going, oh, crushed dreams, crushed souls. (laughs) Oh, she moved moved out here because there was a problem in the family, but she was going to have a happy life. She's now a hooker. I mean, it's just, (laughs) it's just depressing. It is just depressing. Nobody walks down the street and smiles at each other. It is as bad as New York. But here in New York, when you're walking down the street and nobody's looking at you and everybody's wearing black, you're like, okay, they're just into the New York attitude and everybody's like that. Okay. Everybody's just kind of one of my favorite lines from a movie that I love. One of the writers says, you know, it's in the 1950s and he says, hey, we're moving the TV show, the comedy writing. We're going to move it out to California. And he says, California, you can't write comedy in California. It's not angry enough. And it wasn't at one point. Now, people, you're walking down the street, and if you say hi to them, somebody said to me the other day, it's like they go home and they tell their roommate or they tell somebody, somebody said hi to me on the streets. I I feel like I was seen for the first time today. And everybody's trying to be somebody else. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's sad. It's becoming a really sad place. Just wow, amazing to me. Maybe it's also that people just become sad when they see you. Is that? I heard that, Pat. I heard that laugh. I heard you were like at the refrigerator, and I heard you laugh. It's not. It's not helpful. It's not helpful. And now this. A lot of good people looking for work right now. And if you're looking to hire somebody, how do you find the best candidate? Do what we do. ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. You can find the candidates in any city, any industry, nationwide. You post once and watch your qualified candidate roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling the emails or the calls to your office. ZipRecruiter. You can quickly screen the candidates, rate them, and then hire the right person fast. 
Over 800,000 businesses have already used ZipRecruiter, and we're two of them. Mercury does this, and so does The Blaze. ZipRecruiter. You can use it now. Try it for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Again, it's free. Take this hassle off of your plate. ZipRecruiter will help you find the right person. They can be working in two weeks. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glennbeck.com. Mercury. to the Glenn Beck Program. I see the uh, protests uh, uh, with um, in Sacramento of the of the the skinheads and the I, I don't even know mm-hmm. who they were the anti skinheads. Who won that fight? I'm just. Oh well, there was some stabbing going on, and nobody <laughs> in any of the stories that I can that I've been reading have have mentioned who stabbed who. Right, so I'm not that's sure what I can't that says figure out. exactly. I, yeah, it doesn't right, say. I, well, who did I, the stabbing? All I know is that there were there were uh, skinheads that mm-hmm. that were protesters, right? Yes. And then uh, I, I'm not sure what they were protesting, but they were protesting, and nobody likes a skinhead. So then others came with giant sticks and started beating the skinheads. Mm-hmm. And all I keep hearing about the skidheads, uh, skinheads, I don't know who the other guys were, and I don't know who won the fight. And not, I mean, I think, I mean, it would be, it would be nice if it was a draw and, uh, you know, they stabbed each other and they both lost. Uh, but I, I, I've never seen such sloppy reporting for some reason. I, I can't figure the story out. And you know it's on purpose. You know it's on purpose. Yeah. They're, they're protecting somebody here. Uh, I'm not sure which side. I, I would guess it's the other side because I, I don't know. In, in a lot of these protests, and, and it's the pro-Trump protests where uh, they're getting beaten by the anti-Trump people. Who so wait, are, was this a Trump protest? Is that I what this did, was? Uh, or, I mean, they were, they were pro-Trump? No, it's the Traditionalist Worker Party, uh, the TWP, as you may know it. Um, uh, I would call that, listen to that. Traditionalist Working Party, right. National Socialist. What is a working party, communist or socialist? Traditionalist, I'll bet you it's traditional white America, blah, blah, blah. It's a, wow, that's, sure. well, that's Nazis. It describes itself as a white nationalist group. Um, yeah. And they were, uh, the other group mm-hmm. describes itself as an anti-fascist group. Um, now, whether that's true or not, I don't, well, I don't know. The communists were anti-fascist. Yeah, at times, right. yes. Um, no, but not yeah. at times. Always, they yeah, were. No, I mean, they worked. They, they worked. They voted almost identically uh, for a very long time. But they no because they had one a rivalry was for power. Yeah, right. Because one wants to be a, a nationalist group, and the other wants to be an international group. Right. So, however, I mean, that means that you align on ninety-five percent of issues, <laughs> which is oh yeah, they but they did. still kill each other like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, once it's, it got, I mean, it got nasty it, eventually. But I mean, when they started out, I mean, you know, you've talked about this before, Glenn. Hitler made the flag red to lure in socialists them. and communists yeah. to, to join his movement because they aligned on so many things. Almost uh, all know, of today it. we say, oh, well, they were a far right group. At least the media does. Well, can, can I? 
Could I know, ask again, a question? Describe this, but you know, go uh, ahead. Let me ask you a question. What is the difference between the Republican and the Democratic Party, except extremes? Then the the argument between the socialist or the um, uh, national socialist, the fascist, and the communist. They, you're exactly right. They agree on almost everything. The, the the fascist and the communist. They agree on almost everything. Um, at some point, they tried to outdo each other on socialism. Um, you know which one's the which one's the bigger socialist? You know the communist or the fascist? One said there needs to be an international body. We need to take over the whole world with an international body, kind of like the UN. And the other says, no, we, Germany, we, this, the, this particular state needs to run the whole world from this particular state. That sounds like the Republicans. We'll control the world. We'll run everything. We'll be the world's policemen. And the left, which is, has always been aligned with the communists, they're saying, no, 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 it should be an international body. There's nothing, there's no difference here. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying there. And it kind of comes to what you're saying with uh, Penn Jillette over the years of like, you know, we both want small government. We could go and have 30 years of arguments before we get to a point where we're really going to fight over these issues. But I mean, you know, if you want the number one piece of evidence, the guy who's running as the Republican presidential nominee is a guy who donated to the Democratic presidential nominee. I mean, I, I mean, how different can they be? At least at one point right. in the very recent uh, past, he thought he was so aligned with this person that he actually gave them money. So, I mean, Lots what? Lots of money. Yeah. So, I mean, they I gave their know, money to come up and show up at, their, at his wedding. <laughs> I mean, who pays for people to come to their wedding but anyway that's a different story well, that's but it's easy. not just that's him look at says, yeah. look at the, the republicans have shown their true colors on socialism when it comes to um, obamacare they're saying repeal and replace no repeal and let the free market alone that's the answer but they don't want to get rid of that they want to fix that so it's they hammer it more in line with what they believe their kind of socialism back in a minute Brexit has a lot of people scratching their head wondering what is coming next. What is the fallout? What do I do? As I pondered this over the weekend, I'm trying to figure who is the guy that I want to talk to? Who's the guy that I would want advice from today? Uh, Who's the guy who can explain it the best? Harry Dent is the author of the book, The The Demographic Cliff. He's also the editor of a free newsletter, Economy and Markets. I've had him on before, and he's the only one that can not only explain CDOs and, 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 and what we've done to ourselves, but also something really important that nobody talks about, and that is the, demogra- the demographic cliff and why, that, why that's something you really need to pay attention to. Brexit. 
the other countries that are going to leave. What's the stock market fallout? What should you do and what should you know? Harry Dent, right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Let's go right to Harry Dent. Uh, Harry, you and I have talked uh, for uh, many times uh, in the past. You are a guy that predicted exactly what was coming when it came. However, the Fed did the things to prop the markets up so we've not felt the pain of this. Can you go just a little bit into your history, how it works, uh, you know, the demographic cliff, why you said uh, that uh, something is coming in in 07 or 08, why it didn't hit the way you said it was, and what it means? Yeah, you know, what happens, Glenn, is, you know, the baby boomers, the largest generation to hit the earth since the Industrial Revolution, and, and around the world, but of course, the United States is the largest economy. And uh, in 1988, way back then, I came up with an indicator that simply moved forward the birth index of this massive generation for their predictable peak in spending at age 46. Now, the, the next generations looks like they're about 48, and the one before, the Bob Hope or World War II generation was 44, but 46 are right. They gave us a boom, and in fact, the strongest boom in history from 1983 through 2007, and way back in the late 80s, we said, look, our economy is going to start weakening, and Japan is going to go down in the 90s because they're the first country to see their baby boom peak, and then Europe comes right on our tails. And so what we've been seeing is this demographic cliff around the world, and, and, and Germany actually has the worst demographics of any single wealthy Western country coming up in the next several years, and, and, and with all the troubles in Europe and the slow growth and now Brexit, Everybody's thinking, well, Germany's going to hold up the Eurozone in Europe and the Euro, and it is not. They've got a worse demographic slide uh, in the next seven or eight years than, than, than I saw for Japan in, in, in the 1990s. And so we not only predicted that the U.S. and Europe was going to see the greatest boom in history in the 90s when a lot of people were calling for a depression back then, we said also, hey, Japan is going down. Uh, Japan is done. Their baby boom came before ours. Their real estate bubble came before ours, their stock bubble. And, uh, and of course, Japan went down and we went up. And uh, starting in 2008, we started crashing along with Europe. And, uh, you know, we were, I mean, 2008 was looking just like 1930 until government stepped in and printed about $10 trillion. And uh, China China's going to create $4 trillion of, de- of debt just in this year, build empty condos, and that's what they've been doing, building stuff for nobody now for decades. Um, So so all of this is pretty obvious if you sit back and look at the facts. When do people spend money or not? We've had the greatest debt bubble in history in in China, uh, in Japan, in Europe, the United States, everywhere. I I just got back from Australia speaking, and that's about the only government that doesn't have a super high – debt ratio, they're only at 30% of GDP. Well, we're over 100. Japan's at 260% and rising. And, and, you know, this stuff is not hard to add up. Slowing demographics after a huge boom, unprecedented debt, 
And, and then when things slow down, instead of restructuring debt or cutting expenses like any household or business would do, what do governments around the world do? Just print money to cover it up. I mean, just that simple. And the stock markets are rallying today. I mean, they're not rallying today because of Brexit. And we were warning about that. But they've been rallying for years, even as bank stocks keep going down. I mean, Deutsche Bank the largest bank in Germany. Their stock's down something like 93% from its all-time high and down 65% just in the last year. And Italy banks are, are going under. They're going to be the next Greece. And, and the markets just seem to not worry about this stuff until some big political event like Brexit happens. I'm way more worried about Italy basically needing a massive bailout by the end of this year, and it's just not possible. And, and with Germany slowing, it's going to be even less possible. So, uh, And I'm worried about the China stock market crashing again. It crashed once, as we said, said it would, but China went and bought their own market. Everybody's into artificially propping up everything. They're not going to be able to do that for much longer. The United States did that in 1929. First crash was like China's, down 45% in a matter of three months, the government stepped in through the banks and bought their own stock market for several months, and then it collapsed again. That's going to happen with China. So the markets uh, are reacting to Brexit, but there's way worse stuff out there happening. So was Brexit a good thing or a bad thing, in your opinion? Well, you know, I would call it an, an inevitable thing. We've had a monetary and fiscal and trade zone union for, for a long time. And it almost broke up during the Civil War, but it got pulled back together. This is new to Europe. And, they, you know, they've had their own policies and own cultures forever. And, and now they have a weak, they have weaker demographic trends than we do. Uh, they're not as weak as Japan, but they're weaker than us. They, they keep having problems, keep falling back in the recession. And, and, and people are starting to question this. But, but you know, you know the, the straw that broke the camel's back was, it, you know, millions of refugees coming from the Middle East, and, and nobody wants to take them. They, they don't speak the language. You don't know if they're going to stay there, even though they could actually use some more young people there. But they're a different culture, don't speak the language, and they're having to, they're having to put them up in tents and fund them. And, of course, it makes it easier for terrorists to enter the country. So I think that's what, uh, or you know, weeks ago the polls were saying, well, it's going to be close, but, they'll stay in. Well, no, in the, in the last week or so, that changed, and we started warning, well, you know, it looks like they just might leave, and there are consequences of that. So, so it's not a good thing economically um, to restrict trade to any degree, but it, uh, to me, it's inevitable that more people are going to choose their own sovereignty and say, look, uh, we got to have our own monetary policy. There's a lot of countries that need to devalue in Southern Europe. They can't. Iceland already did years ago, and we said, look, Iceland devalued, took the hit in inflation for a couple years, defaulted on debts to Ireland and, and England, and now is doing better. Well, you know, we need this restructuring of debt. We need uh, restructuring of currencies, all this sort of stuff, and the euro is one of the things keeping that from happening. So I think this is inevitable that countries would – say As, increasingly we want to choose our own destiny and especially with this migrant crisis over there okay so the two things that um i think motivate this the migrant crisis uh the, which causes people fear and i think justifiably so you i mean you can't have in the netherlands for instance 
uh, one out of every five women raped uh, and and not be fearful and not be justified in your fear and saying, hey, this has got to stop. Uh, they're having all kinds of problems where they're having to close down swimming pools because the men will molest the women and the little girls. It's horrible what's going on. But also, yeah, when you do... And how do you keep, how do you keep terrorists out with this many people flowing through the borders? It, it's don't. hard enough as it is. So, right. And it, yeah, but, I think, but you I also think have... this is what, what, what changed it. And I don't see why, you know, now Scotland's talking about splitting off from the U.K. And Catalonians have been talking about splitting off from Spain. Poles in, in France and, and the Netherlands and Italy show that, that you know, 40 percent plus people are not happy with the European, European Union and the euro and all the effects. So so I, I think this thing's just going to keep breaking up. And and I, there may even be some movements in that direction in this country. Well, that's what I was because I think the economy when when you have a crisis of this magnitude, debt, which you can control and demographics, which you can't easily and then you all you do is paper it over with more and more debt and more and more free money. How can you expect anything but a worse crisis ahead? So, I, I'm, I am I moved to Puerto Rico partly because I was building a vacation home down here and kept coming down here, and I actually liked it. So now I got a place in the city and a place on an island, and and I'm moving here, and it's a bankrupt country. They got big problems down here, but I think we've got bigger problems in the U.S. and 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 higher potential for civil unrest. Then Puerto Rico? Puerto Rico is not a safe place to be. Well, it's pretty nice where I am. They've got a new program in the last several years. It's attracting hedge fund managers and investment people and stuff. And in the nice areas along the north beaches, we had a hard time getting a condo, frankly. Now, I'd go 20 minutes out, oh, you know, people are moving back to the United States, the unemployment's high, uh, crime is high, but, but there, you would never know it uh, sitting where I'm sitting. But I'm just, you know, I've just got a condo lease for two years. I'm going to see what happens in America, see what happens here. Okay, uh, so wait a minute, Harry, you said... But I'm, right now, I tell you, this is a nice place to be. You said that you believe, that w- when you were talking about Brexit, you said you think it'll happen here in the United States. Are you talking about states seceding? Well, something like that. I, I think there's there's so much um, political polarization. Literally, I mean, we. this is more like at the time of the Civil War. We... Obviously, we had high income inequality in the Roaring Twenties and Great Depression, high unemployment, I mean, all that sort of stuff. But there wasn't the, the us versus them sort of thing. It, it, it really, I mean, I speak in Europe, and they got a worse economy than we do. You know, I speak in Australia, they got a better economy than we do. But I tell you, the, the, the political polarization is very strong here, and people are angry. The Everyday persons has not seen a, a, a raise. Actually, they're below where they were in 2000 and very close to where they were, about the same as 1973. How are you going to be happy wow. in an economy where the top 1%, and I, I'll tell you the truth, it's not even the top 1%, it's the 0.1%. The one out of 1,000 households have walked away with most of the gains. Now, that part of that's a natural cycle. Part of it, it has been increased by the very government policies that don't charge you for money, that make short-term money free, and then they turn around and use that money to buy long-term bonds and push those down to free when you adjust for inflation. When money's free, all it leads to is one thing, speculation. And speculation 
only really benefits the investing class and, and does little or nothing for uh, the everyday person uh, who, by the way, is not getting a wage because they, they've had to compete with Chinese workers and everybody else for decades. So it, it's, it's just a, it's, it's a difficult thing. My thing is okay. there's no for it not to be difficult, but, but for governments to be increasing the debt and leverage. We've added $57 trillion to the global debt since the last downturn and bubble burst, and that's as much as we added in the bubble, you know, from 2000 to 2007 or 8. I mean, that's insanity. When, 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 you, when things like this finally burst, you're supposed to get realistic, cut expenses, especially in the private sector, let debt restructure. Well, when the government gives away free money to the banks and just pours money in the economy, they don't have to mark down that mortgage for that everyday person or that loan for that struggling business, um, and, and so things can't turn around. Reset. So they're just they're okay. just making it worse. And in, so, in degree, there's income inequality. They're just making it work. But the the biggest thing is debt just keeps going up. All right. And so Harry, when it, we, we, I'm, I'm going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back. And I want to ask you. So what does the average person do? Because you talk to me about buying a home, renting a home, and I've never looked at it the way you explain it with the demographics. Uh, and it makes an awful lot of sense. So I'll talk to you about that coming up in just a second. Now this, what do these men have in common? Theodore Roosevelt, Woodrow Wilson, Franklin Roosevelt, Lyndon Johnson. Let me add Hillary Clinton. Let me add Richard Nixon. Jimmy Carter. Barack Obama. They're all progressives and big progressives. What's scary is if you look at Theodore Roosevelt, Woodrow Wilson, FDR, Lyndon Johnson, they're all kind of spaced about every 20 years. But now we've had the biggest progressive that we've had yet, Barack Obama, and we're about to follow him with another progressive, Hillary Clinton. This has got to stop, but it's not going to stop at the federal level because the Republicans are in it, too. The Freedom Works Foundation teaches you how to knock on doors, teaches you how to organize phone banks, contact your congressman, teaches you how to run for local office. We have to stop the progressive surge. Go to freedomworksforme.com and donate 2016 right now. For the next 14 days, if you donate 2016, you're going to get a complimentary Don't Tread on Me bumper sticker. It's $20.16. Help stop this freight train. These are the times that try men's souls. Donate right now, freedomworksforme.com. The Glenn Beck Program. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Triple Had a uh, very interesting conversation last night with um, a guy who is a very, very big lefty uh, and um, and talked to him about gun control. And he said, wow, he went home and told his wife, I think I've changed my mind on gun control, um, said he's never heard that argument before. And I'll share that coming up in, in just a second. We have uh, Harry Dent with us here for a couple more minutes. Um, Harry is at harrydent.com, harrydent.com, and he's got a newsletter that you should read. He's He's got a book 
um, called The uh, Democratic Cliff that I think is essential for everybody to read. Harry, explain why you say you've sold your homes and you're only renting now. Uh, I said this back in uh, late 2005, right at the top of the bubble. Real estate tends to peak early on because it's earlier in the consumer spending cycle. The average person buys their largest house. It's 41, 42, but they don't spend the most money on their kids and family until age 46 and, and moving forward. So housing was in a bubble. And just like in Japan, we said, hey, this is going to burst. And of course, nobody believed me. It's hard to talk people out of real estate. But I was moving from Tampa to Miami, uh, I mean, Miami to Tampa anyway, because my wife's mother. And so we decided to rent. I've been renting ever since. I'm renting in the, an unbelievable condo in Puerto Rico, because it's in a bubble, too. Now, I didn't. I do own a, a vacation home on an island off of Puerto Rico because it's a special place, and I knew it was going to move, which it now has, from 25 to 5-acre zoning and five lots of mer- worth more than one, so that would cover any losses I would ever take on that and more. But I'm like, this is not the time to be in real estate. It bubbled, and, and, and we only see a bubble in real estate once in a lifetime, you have to go back well, explain- to the Roaring Twenties. The same thing with stocks, and, and we're in bubbles and stocks around the world, and people keep buying this stuff like it can't go down. It can, and it will go down. And it explain, won't correct, exp- it'll burst. Explain to um, uh, to me the the actual long term bubble of once the people who live in these big houses, once their kids go, they start to downsize. And there's not a replacement for that group. So all of these houses sit pretty much empty or a crater in price soon. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, people say, well, well, no, that won't happen. Yeah, like, look, Japan did the same thing as we did. There's 8 million, just what you said, 8 million homes empty in Japan, and we, and we ain't seen nothing yet. And, that, and they got a third of the households we have. They, they maybe have like 55 million households, 8 million empty homes. China has 50 million-plus empty condos because they just build stuff for nobody to stimulate the economy and worry about it later. And, and we're going to have this thing, yes, where all these baby boomers are going to start retiring, want to downsize, sell their McMansion, and they're going to turn around and the echo boomers are going to be both too young to buy a McMansion from them. They're going to want an affordable starter house. And they're going to, and they're, as they have been, they're going to be scared to death to buy housing because they see a bad economy. It's harder to get loans. And they've seen housing go down. Baby boomers never saw housing go down their whole life. So they have this illusion that housing does not go down. I don't have that illusion because I've studied history. Harry, I appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much, and we'll have you on again as uh, things progress. But um, good luck to you there in Puerto Rico. <laughs> Safe, stay safe. Harry Dent from yeah. Harry HarryDent.com. HarryDent.com. If you have not read his book, The Demographic Cliff, you don't really understand what's coming our way. He has put the science behind the numbers. Back in a minute.
This is the Glenn Beck Program. From our studios in Los Angeles, California, welcome to the program. Glad that you are. Uh, glad that you're here. I, I'm. Uh, I'm out here for a couple of reasons. Uh, got a lot of meetings out in Los Angeles. Try to come out here, you know, once a year or so. Um, but I came out uh, this weekend because of Politicon. They invited me to uh, deliver a speech and and do a uh, a forum of question and answers. And this is this is kind of like um, a smaller version of CPAC, except it's not conservative. Uh, it is. Uh, a mixture of the right and the left uh, from entertainment uh, and what was the other thing? Entertainment and uh, I don't remember. Um, but it's it's supposedly right and left, but it's mainly left. And uh, so they asked me to come out and do these things, and I did. And you can watch on my Facebook page, probably on glenbeck.com now. Um, we, we live Facebooked the question and answer session. It lasted about an hour. And it was it was asked by a guy who uh, the questions were asked by a guy who's a big fundraiser for Hillary Clinton and and everything else. But he's a reasonable guy and wants to know the truth, wants to think he's a thinker. And um, and so he asked a a series of questions and and they were they were not easy questions and uh, wanted to hear my opinion on them. Now, the room is probably half libertarian. Uh, that room was probably 30% uh, conservative Republican and then 20% liberal. Uh, the rest of them were almost 90% liberal. Um, and uh, and so he asked me different things. One of them was gun control. We live here in Los Angeles where we have a real problem with guns. He said, we're not Chicago, but we, you know, we have a real problem with guns. And... Uh, I just don't see why somebody would need an automatic, you know, an automatic weapon or a, 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 an assault rifle is what he said. I don't know why they would need an assault rifle here in, uh, in Los Angeles because, I mean, think of the damage you could do. And I said to him, well, first, can you tell me what an assault rifle is? And he said, honestly, no, I can't. And I could see that he was kind of sheepish when he answered that. After our conversation, he went home and his wife said, so how was your conversation with Glenn Beck? And uh, he said, honey, I think I've changed my mind on gun control. And she said, what? She said, he said, I've, n- I've never even thought of these answers before. I, I've, I, he's, he has answers for them. And I think they're reasonable. And I think I've changed my mind. This is what he told me yesterday, day after uh, the, um, the interview he did. So here's the reason why I'm sharing this is because these probably seem pretty simple to you. But they've just worked on a guy who's a, a major lefty. And so we should probably have these in our hip pocket um, because it wasn't some genius thing I said. It, it was just the things we always say to each other. But they haven't thought. And if you are if you're with somebody who is honest, not somebody who's trying to win, but somebody who's honest, which is getting harder and harder to find on either side. This is not a hard argument to to win. So the first thing I said to him was, can you can you tell me what an assault rifle is? And he said, no. 
And I said, I could put an assault rifle, I could take it and strip it, and I could put wooden, you know, stock on it, and it would look just like a regular rifle. And he said, well, yeah, but regular rifles can't, can't shoot fast like that. And I said, well, yeah, they can. Uh, you know, I said, you take an old gun that looks like an old gun and has, a, you know, has the wooden stock, but it has a, a magazine uh, underneath, and we had those in nineteen, you know, in the nineteen sixties, and we didn't have these problems. You can fire them as fast as you can. They're not automatic weapons, but neither are the assault rifles. And I said they're exactly the same. They just look different because times have changed. Are you driving the same car that you had in the nineteen sixties? No. For many many years, cars didn't change with the engine. They just looked sportier. They looked like they could go faster. So. You have the same power of gun that you had in the 1960s. I said also in the 1960s, before Kennedy was killed, anyone could go into a gun store and buy a gun. A kid could go in and buy a gun. And it wasn't a problem. So what has changed? Has the gun changed? Or have we changed? Because there's one other fact. Prior to 1920, before we started really limiting everything, prior to 1920, there were more guns per capita by far in the United States. And yet people weren't shooting everybody. We still had guns. We still had rifles. You still had semi-automatic guns. But people didn't walk into places and shoot people. Why? Because it's not the gun, it's the heart. And one last thing. I said to him, and we talked more about this sitting in a restaurant. So it's easier for me to tell you the restaurant analogy. Because that'll be more like what you're doing when you're sitting with a friend. If a gunman walks through this front door right now, and he's got an assault rifle, or he's got a couple of pistols. How many people die? And he said, all of us. I said, right? Right? As long as he can load fast enough, everybody cowers. And we all die. Yes. Now, if you were sitting in a restaurant in Texas, there'd be at least, there was probably 100 people in this restaurant. I said there would be at least five with a gun. And they'd be sitting anywhere in the room. They wouldn't be all bunched together in the non-smoking, gun-holding section. They, you wouldn't know who was who. If five people in this restaurant had a gun and knew how to use it, that same guy comes in, how many people does he kill? He said, huh. Not very many. I said, exactly. Exactly. Now, here's what I told him that I think sealed the deal. I said, the people that I know that are members of the NRA, they're pushing for the toughest penalties for people who don't live by the law. They're the ones who want these guys away for all time. 
because it makes all gun owners look crazy and dangerous. They don't like it. They don't want loose gun controls. But they also don't want somebody calling them irresponsible. And here's why. I said, my wife and I had serious death threats. And the first death threat that we ever got, I was told by the FBI that I should leave the state of Florida for a month with my family. And if I could live someplace else and still do my show, I should. But I shouldn't tell the audience that I was in Los Angeles. I sat in these studios in Los Angeles. And I was doing my show in Florida. We had to move out of the state for a month because it was so serious. I said, when did we buy a gun, do you suppose? And he said, probably right away. And I said, no, actually, we didn't. Because my wife looked at each other. We looked at each other and I said, I don't think I'm responsible enough with a gun. I don't know if I could actually squeeze the trigger of a gun and shoot somebody. And she said, well, I I don't think you're responsible enough. And she said, I don't think I am either. I don't want a gun in the house. That's how far we've come. I said, it took us three years to get to the point to where we felt comfortable and we did our training and we'd go shooting before we felt, yeah, you know what? I can have this. I can put this on my hip and I'm fine. It's taken me, I don't even know, 10 years, 15 years to be comfortable enough to now somebody walks in the room. I mean, I, I've always known, as soon as I purchased a gun, I knew that what I was saying to myself, oh, I don't know if I could shoot somebody, I knew that was a lie. Of course you can. Somebody comes in and they're threatening your life of you or your children or your family. Believe me, if you have a gun, it will be instinct. You will pull your gun on them. What I think I meant was, I don't know if I'm responsible enough. I can't imagine pulling the trigger. I think what I actually was fearing was that the gun would be taken from me before I figured out how to use it and shoot it, and then we're all dead because of my gun. I have enough confidence now that somebody walks up to me, my family. I know exactly how to handle my gun. I know how to draw my gun. I know how to... Aim my gun. I can do it. I can do it practically with my eyes closed. Now I'm totally competent. And I'm confident with it. And you don't ever know that I'm carrying a gun. Those are the kind of people that generally carry guns. All you keep thinking about are the people who are irresponsible with guns. And the irresponsible ones, you don't. You don't really hear about the irresponsible, the gun owner who was like, I've been a member of the NRA and I I was just in a convenience store and my gun popped out and pretty soon it was falling on the floor and shooting everybody at the convenience store. You don't hear about that kind of incompetence. Everybody says, I've got to have, you know, as long as competent people, I mean, well-trained people have the guns. Well, are you seeing the stories where the ill-trained are killing a bunch of people? You're hearing the stories about the people who are crazy or have an agenda that take a gun and use the right that you're leaving on the table to kill a bunch of people, and you're waiting for the police. I can be just as competent as police with a gun. It just takes work. 
he disgusted himself because he was like, I think I agree with you. I think I've changed my position. Again, none of the things that I've just said come as a surprise to you. That's what we keep saying. We just have to stay on point. We have to know, we have to know that they have an irrational fear of guns. And in some ways, I understand that because I felt that way. And it's not about how, we, how they're making us feel. It's about how can we make them feel. How can we make them understand, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not crazy. And it is the same gun. And maybe I haven't done my homework at all. Now this, when you bought a timeshare, you probably thought you could get the location that you wanted, when you wanted it. How's that working out for you? You called a book and it's unavailable. Also, when you signed that timeshare, did you read the fine print? Did you know that your kids inherit it and all that goes with it, all of the expenses? You get, you, you're probably afraid to open the mail around the fall because you see, oh, crap, the expenses have gone up. If a timeshare isn't what you thought when you bought, timeshare exit team is going to get you out. I've met them. My team has vetted them. And they will treat you the way you deserve to be treated. If you have a timeshare and you want out of the timeshare, these guys will help you do it. Now, they don't buy. They don't sell. They don't donate timeshares because that still leaves you liable. These, these things are impossible to get out of. They will negotiate with the resort and get you out safely, legitimately, and forever. And if they don't, they have a 100% guarantee. They get you out or they give you a 100% complete refund. Meet them face-to-face at one of their offices across the country, and their offices aren't in a hotel. You know, it's at the Holiday Inn this Saturday. This is the real deal. Um, these are experts at it, and they are consumer advocates. Go to timeshareexitteam.com. You can call them on the phone or visit them in their, one of their offices, 844-321-EXIT, 844-321-EXIT, timeshareexitteam.com, promo code BEC15, promo code BEC15, timeshareexitteam.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. The Glenn Beck Program. Pat and Stu uh, coming up in just a second. Welcome to the program. You see that the uh, University of North Carolina has released a list of hostile microaggressions that we need yes. to be careful of. Yes. Uh, yes uh, first of all, uh, as far as race is concerned, if you say to someone, when I look at you, I don't see color. Oh, my, God. Oh my gosh, you can't. Oh, you can't. oh, no, honey, don't say that because... We can't even say that on the air, can we? Minimizing or denying a person of color's racial or ethnic experiences is a microaggression. In fact, I'd almost call it a macroaggression. When you say, when I look at you, I don't see color, it's almost like you punch them in the face. I think it's just straight-out genocide. It, it, thank you. Thank you. Wasn't that Martin Luther King's... No. Oh, you mean that racist? <laughs> oh, yeah, a good content Great. of character. Okay, racist. Great. How about this? 
How about saying to a woman uh, or a person of any gender, uh, hey, I love your shoes. <laughs> I mean, that is, Gosh. you talk about genocide. Oh, my wow. gosh. That's like, I notice how you look in dress more than I realize your intellectual contributions. Oh, how you look is really important. Up! <laughs> Why? Shut because up. you've said that very thing? Yes. yes, I bet he has. I bet he has. You know I bet he's also have. said, can I touch your hair? I bet you have! That's another... <laughs> Oh, weirdo. Wow. What? Hater. Hater. He's almost as racist as Martin Luther King. Hey, uh, hey, Stu, 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 if I were closer to you. Oh, no, no, don't do it when you're on the road. When you're on the road. If I were closer to you, the stabbing would just not stop. Oh, my gosh. You mean the hugging. You mean the hugging. No, I mean the stabbing. If I had a knife and I was in the same room with him right now. I think the stabbing just wouldn't stop. He's just threatened Carrot and Top. I hope wow. that Breitbart <laughs> has a story on that. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.